The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. This is the Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. Simon Harris is the Minister for Further and Higher Education, Research, Innovation, and Science, and he's with me now, Minister. You're welcome to the program. What can you tell me about uh, the latest aspect of the Public Service Apprenticeship Plan? Evening, Kieran. Well, today myself and Pascal Donoghue have launched a new plan to double the number of apprentices working in the public service each year. And I suppose the rationale for this is twofold. Uh, firstly, we're genuinely trying to get more people taking up apprenticeships in Ireland, uh, being able to get a qualification and a career through the apprenticeship model and the public sector as a big employer needs to play its part in that. And then secondly, I think it's a very exciting way of diversifying uh, the profile of people working in the public sector by saying you can actually end up with a a well-paid and secure job in an exciting area in the public sector um, through the apprenticeship model. So this new plan today will see a number of new apprenticeship programmes launched across the public sector. Uh, Just to give you an example, a planning technician programme, a healthcare assistant programme, an architectural technician, uh, even an Irish language specialist role uh, for the civil service as well. And ultimately, we'll get from a situation of having just over 300-odd apprentices uh, each year now in the public sector to 750 by the end of 2025. So this moves us beyond kind of apprenticeships in people's mind being the trades, the old-fashioned trades. Yeah, that's a really important point. So, I mean, I'm very proud that apprenticeships are the trades and we need a lot more people doing the trades. And this plan does absolutely uh, say, for example, that every local authority has to take on a number of apprentices each year in the trade. So that's good. But it's also a recognition that apprenticeships aren't just the trades and that you can actually do things that perhaps in the past you maybe thought you had to go to, to university for, but you can actually do them as an apprenticeship model, which, of course, is just third level. You're just basically doing practical experience and education side by side. So then uh, in the spirit of kind of uh, um, people taking up roles uh, serving the public, should the Gardaí relax rules around tattoos, facial and hand tattoos for new recruits? My, 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 my good view is they should, but I, I'm very conscious that this is a matter for, for the Garda Commissioner. I'm very conscious that there is a, a Garda handbook, I think, in place where when somebody signs up to be a guard and to go into Temple Moor, it does outline uh, certain things. Um, and I believe the rules around tattoos are clearly outlined in that. But I also know that at a time we're trying to get more people into the Garda, uh, certainly my constituents, uh, whether somebody has a tattoo or not, uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be the priority concern. They want to see, obviously, more Garda numbers. So I, I think the GRA comments were were sensible in the sense that it makes sense for, for maybe the rules to be looked at again. But it is a con- I am conscious it's a matter for the Garda Commission. You, you wouldn't feel any, though, disquiet about a guard turning up to your house with a facial or hand tattoo? I would not, no. Uh, is Dublin City safe? I think I think when, when when people are asked that, you can quote statistics, and I can quote statistics about Dublin City relative to other cities and whether it is or it isn't safe, but it's absolutely clear um, that there have been a number of incidents in Dublin lately that have made people feel very unsafe, that have made people worry about their safety. And that's why my colleague, Minister McEntee, is working relentlessly to increase uh, Garda numbers in Dublin, Garda visibility, uh, and isn't just talking about it, it's actually put €10 million Euro worth of a plan to get more Garda uh, on the streets in Dublin uh, between now and the Christmas period. So like, there's no two ways about it here. People have felt, I think, very unsafe on occasion in parts of the city and there have been a number of high profile incidences that I think have put a focus on that. Uh, Those incidences, uh, when they happen, I mean, if you accept that uh, on some level they're kind of a failure of systems, where do you think that failure is? Well, I think I think there's a whole variety of reasons and not just in Dublin, but in any city about safety, perception of safety, 
Um, and, and I think there's obviously a Garda response of that. There's no doubt. And Minister McEntee is very clear on that. So increasing Garda numbers and Garda visibility in Dublin is important. There's also other roles that need to be played. Um, I think how we look at things around public transport in Dublin is important. Certainly when I talk to people, I know the the kind of fear of not being able to get safely home out of a city um, in the evening or at night time can be an issue. The local authority has a role to play. Um, and of course, we also have to recognise that we need to continue to break cycles of deprivation and disadvantage in certain parts of our capital city. And my own department would have a role to play in relation to that. So it really is about the work that Helen and others have kicked off around this kind of community safety partnership. How can everybody in the city come together to play a role? Are you, um, I mean, the, the perception, the argument that kind of perception is reality, I guess, is, is, is part of the yeah. problem you face. But I mean, are, are you worried that there's too much specialisation within Angarda Giacana? This is another issue that the GRA and others have highlighted, that while numbers may be higher, more and more people working in specialist areas, fewer kind of bobbies on the beat, as it were. No, I'm 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 not concerned. I don't think specialisation should be should be blamed for want of a better word. And in my brief time covering the Department of Justice uh, for Minister McEntee, I, I I gained a very a very real appreciation for the importance of the work that the specialist units do. So sometimes when people talk about specialisation, it can sound like those guardy are at a remove. Uh, from fighting crime. And of course, they're not. When people talk about specialisation, these are units that can be breaking up human trafficking rings. They can be units uh, working on gangland crime. Uh, they can be units making sure that Gardaí sees uh, large quantities of illegal drugs, which we know can cause so much devastation. But absolutely, it is vital that as Gardaí numbers grow, and I know Minister McEntee wants this to be the mm. case, that we see the specialist units supported, but also community policing numbers, and that we get back to a point. So the serving, and, the, serve, the, the serving, the serving, and the serving and former members who have blamed specialisation, they're wrong. No, look, they have a perspective. I'm just giving you mine, and my perspective is: is that they're talk, wrong, and that I, you're right? Uh, no, it's actually that every member of Angardashi can't all be right. Well, I actually, I actually, I actually think, I actually think in this case, in this case, people can, and people can have different perspectives. I've talked to members serving in specialist units of Garda Shiokana. Uh, I think we owe a debt of gratitude to them. I've talked to members serving as community guardy. We owe a debt of gratitude to them. I don't think it's about pitting one type of guard or one guard a road against another. It's about growing the number of guards in this country, and that's what we're doing. That's why there's over four hundred additional guardy in Templemore training now. Uh, it's why there's a €10 million Euro boost in terms of policing uh, between now and the end of the year in Dublin as well. So it's about growing the numbers. And I know, I, I'm sure listeners probably get a bit irked when, when you say this, but COVID did cost a lot of time in terms of Garda numbers. The Garda College closed not once but twice. And from my memory, I think over about 1,200 more Garda could have potentially been through Templemore uh, during that COVID period. They did not have to be shut. So we, we are getting a pipeline back up and running and it's really important. But people want to see more guards on the beach, there's no doubt about it. So does the government. We had Niall Muldoon, the Children's Ombudsman, um, on the show yesterday talking about uh, failures in the CAMS uh, service and system, the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services. And of course, we had this uh, report uh, from Dr. Finity that's at the kind of um, there for the government to act on uh, now. And I know you'll be aware of all the recommendations uh, in it. But, but uh, Niall Muldoon accused the state of failing in its duty to uphold the rights of children. He says, I'm in the job over eight years. It's very clear that there's been a lot of alarm bells rung in that period of time, both in relation to mental health in its wider sense, not just CAMS, but primary care and other supports. If we had started planning and working and moving to change, 
changed those systems eight years ago, we'd be in a much better place now. As someone who was Minister for Health for four of those eight years, how do you interpret that? Well, I think, look, the Ombudsman for Children has highlighted an extremely serious issue in supporting children with mental health uh, challenges. And also, I know he talked about children with disabilities yesterday, is, of course, of profound importance. I would point to a number of actions that were taken during that time. So, for example, when I was Minister for Health and Jim Daly was Minister of State for Mental Health, we brought in place a new grade within the health service called an assistant psychology post. And I visited parts of the country where that reform was making a real and meaningful difference in terms of more children being seen and being seen quicker. But I also accept, and now as Minister for Further and Higher Education, we have to grow the number of people that we're training in each of these areas. And this is not just kind of me politically talking about things. We're doing this now. So, for example, we're increasing nursing numbers this year by 255. 49 of those nursing places are in mental health. 10 of those nursing places um, are are in psychiatry as well. We're working with Minister Anne Rabbit to grow the number of people that are able to study this year's speech Mm. and language therapy. So it is about making sure that we do. And and in reading Dr. Finnery's report as well and talking about the importance of staffing those teams we do need to continue to grow the number of people that we're training in this area. But also, I think we need to look at how at the reforms that we bring in. So those new grades like the assistant psychology post and uh, the speech and language therapy assistant post can make a real difference and do make a real difference. But, 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 but when Niall Muldoon talks about kind of every year of those eight years being a failure to address these problems, do you accept, and you might disagree with him, but do you accept that he is laying that failure on your doors. He's laying the blame on your doorstep for four of those eight years. Well, I think he's. I think he is saying that he believes a lot more could have been done during the last eight years in relation to this. Uh, and I'm humble. He's enough saying to that there was alarm bells going off left, right, and centre, and that you and your colleagues in government did very little about it. Well, if that's what he's saying, I wouldn't agree with that. I'm not sure that is exactly what I take from what he's saying. But if that is what he's saying, I wouldn't agree. Why would, why would I point to that? Well, I'd point to the fact that we've increased mental health budgets. I'd point to the fact that we've increased the size of the workforce in relation to mental health. Um, and I'd also point to the fact, though, that we are living through a very, very serious time in terms of children's mental health, in terms of children experiencing mental health pressures, uh, almost at an unprecedented level. We're dealing with the impact of COVID on children's mental health and well-being as well. But the idea, and I can tell you this from being in the Department of Health, the idea that there were not people and are, and are not people in there who are working tirelessly day in and day out to try and improve the services was never my experience. Mm. And the idea that they weren't supported by... Are there other people though resistant to change? Because not because because you're you're right. Listen, and and the overwhelming majority of people, and that 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 is undoubtedly the tenor of 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 the coverage we've had on this station from people who have been kind of running their head into a brick wall trying to get into the system is that the people working in it are brilliant. But Niall Muldoon as well talked about people who don't want to change the way they work, despite the fact that the way they work is dysfunctional. Yeah, I, I think there's a big thing, and look, I, I see this in my own hometown, Kieran, uh, as well. I, I think there's a very big issue about how we don't have a very kind of small funnel in relation to our system. So we have to actually look, I think, at how we can embed mental health support for children across the system. We have to look at how we can do, as indeed my colleague, the Minister for Education is, how we can bring supports for counselling and mental health services into schools. Uh, how we can expand the NEPS, the psychology service available to schools. We have to look at how we can not just say, 
but we're going to put you on a long waiting list until you can see X person and actually say, well, hang on, is there a way of disrupting that waiting list? Is there a way of actually offering other pathways of care? And that's where I do think po- new posts and new grades like assistance psychology posts. I'm not saying it helps everybody, but it can actually take some people who are waiting today and provide them with a service that they other- otherwise wouldn't have. So it's very clear to me in my time in public life that, of course, funding is an important part of this. But is it, the, is it the whole answer? In and of itself, no, it isn't. It does need to be coupled by, I think, collectively challenging ourselves of new and better ways to deliver these services. Simon Harris, Minister for Further and Higher Education, Research, Innovation and Science Minister, as always, thanks a million uh, for joining us here on the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.